is Off Script with Trish Glose. We are looking at some of the people I think are fascinating in our community and just uh, hearing their story and how they got here. So in front of my microphone today is Brad Hicks. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. I wondered what this was called. I didn't know if it was like the blog cabin or... <laughs> well, it's called Off Script. Off Script. Because as you know... Um, Good, because I don't have one. You don't. And you're a little you're a little nervous I'm this morning. I'm a little shaken. I'm well, sorry I, like I missed it. rehearsal. <laughs> I like it. Because um, we're going into this cold. Um, I know a lot of people know your face and know your name. But um, this morning, I'd like to talk to, uh, talk to you about things that maybe people don't know about you. Okay. First of all, we're going to start with, uh, where are you from? Well, I was born in Southern California, Arcadia, California, which was right across the street from Santa Anita Racetrack. My parents uh, decided uh, that they didn't want to raise kids in the rat race, so we moved to Grants Pass hmm. uh, as little kids. Well, my parents weren't little kids. They were full-grown adults. <laughs> I, I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they made that decision for us, and uh, even though it was culture shock to go from L.A. to Grants Pass, mm -hmm. um, it, was, uh, it, it was a great place to grow up, and of course Oregon has been a great place for me to spend really the, the rest of my life. So, oh, How old were you when you moved up here? I was in grade school. I'm okay. going to say I was eight, eight or nine years old, I guess, at that point. And that was when? That move happened when? Uh, early 70s. Okay. So yeah. you really went from a very large city to a very rural location of the country. And and very active in that large city. My grandparents, well, my great-grandparents, my grandparents had been in Southern California since the Great Depression or before, and they were immersed in that culture, right? I mean, they were... Um, Rams fans and Lakers fans and Dodgers fans and and mm -hmm. you know had season tickets to all those things and we would stand in line to go to the Rose Parade and 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 I guess even then Los Angeles still felt like a community a very big one but um, but my grandparents and parents were really um, immersed and, and active in that so it was like flipping off a switch mm -hmm. to uh, to go from such a big place and feeling that connected to a small place, at least um, that was my perception. But then I quickly found out that um, we had different versions of that uh, in Grants Pass, too. Sure. Right? I mean, people were very supportive of kids and the schools and sports and just a different, you know, d at a different level. Completely different. Yeah. Uh, so you went to... Grade school, middle school, high school, all in Grants Pass? I did. I'm a Fort Benoit Indian and a Fleming Rogue and a North Valley Knight. Wow. Proudly. Uh, proudly. Yeah. Uh, what came Can after high school? Do you the fight song? Or, uh, <laughs> do you know the fight song? I do, but I, I, I'm not a very good singer. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, as long I'll as hum, you know I it. I can hum it. Yeah. Okay, hum it for me. Um, now, sometimes I get this confused with the U of O fight song, too. But Okay. Let's see. I let, okay, yeah. good. Hey, th I told you it's going to be a test for you today. <laughs> what came after high school? Uh, graduation. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm, I'm really in, in. See what happens when I you know. go off script with me. Uh, uh, college. and Where? Um, well, I, I applied to a whole bunch of places um, and um, wound up settling in Southern Oregon and Ashland at then Southern Oregon State College, now mm -hmm. Southern Oregon University. Got my degree in political science. 
and was trying to get two degrees, uh, one in political science and one in criminology, <clears throat> excuse me, because I was headed off to law school. That was what I and everybody else, and I think mostly because of everybody else, thought I was going to be my whole life. Um, you know, he's an gonna attorney. Be, he's going to be an attorney because he's mm -hmm. a smart aleck and he likes to argue. And uh, so, um, right. was there was there a college or a university you wanted to go to? You know, my dad had gone to USC. He didn't graduate uh, from there because he went off to Vietnam. But um, um, so I always thought eh, I might like to go to USC because it was sort of a family mm -hmm. thing. Um, but then when we moved to Oregon, I became immediately uh, attracted to U of O because how do you not like a school with Donald Duck exactly. as its mascot? So exactly. I became this rabid duck fan at you know eight or nine years mm -hmm. of age, with dis which disappointed my you know USC Trojan dad. Yes. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, and it was it was a it was a safe time to become a duck fan because they were terrible, and so it wasn't like I was a bandwagon <laughs> kid or something. But uh, so I, I kind of wanted to go to U of O. I wanted to go to Willamette Law School, but uh, you know just for a variety of reasons. And I and I I played baseball, and that was kind of my. If, if there was a sport that I had a chance in, it would have been baseball. I mean, I played football, too, but I, I didn't have any business playing beyond high school. You were good at baseball. Yeah, I mean, that was just my natural, you know, the, the one that came probably most easily to me. And so I, I wanted to pursue that a little bit further. But um, I actually ended up rupturing the bursa sac in my elbow playing football. And... Um, and, uh, and then Title IX came along and, and the baseball program went away. And so just, you know, life sort of forced me to focus on my education, which was probably a good thing. Right. Uh, right. Right. Um, right. And so I did and uh, um, got my degree in political science, uh, didn't finish my second degree in criminology. Um, but I, the thing that really probably changed the course, the direction of my life was an internship my senior year uh, in college in the legislature. Okay, where was that in DC? Uh, in the state legislature. Okay. So um, I went to work for a member of the House of Representatives as an intern and uh, SOU was great about structuring my credits in such a way that I was able to stay there the remainder of the school year and through the end of the session and still graduate on time. I mean, oh. they were stockpiling credits on me. <laughs> You know, I'd sit in the Capitol till two o'clock in the morning, writing term papers and and mm. uh, sending writing in blue books and mailing them home for grades, uh, so that I could graduate on time. <clears throat> All the while, um, thinking that, I, and I had been accepted to Willamette Law School, so thinking I was going to go across the street um, at the beginning of the next fall. And then uh, a few friends and my former boss conspired to. Um, um, uh, recommend me for a position on Congressman Denny Smith's staff and I was literally walking out the door of my parents home to go to my cousin's wedding in Los Angeles and I got a phone call from then Congressman Denny Smith saying hey we, we've got a position and you've been you know highly recommended and we'd like to welcome you on the team I said well I'm supposed to go to law school in the fall and I've sort of prepped myself uh, you know, right. my whole life has been in preparation for this um, can I think about it while I'm gone and he said sure he said but just think about it this way he said well I'm not going to say anything badly about Willamette 
university because I am I graduated there myself. Okay. But um, law school will always be there. The opportunity to work for a United States congressman may not be, and that's the that's what he left me with. So I went down to L.A., talked to my family, and they said, ah, we think we sh you should go for it. So I did. So it was this, um, <clears throat> did you have any soul searching after that? You know, when, when he mentioned that to you, law school will always be there. Mm -hmm. Was it just sort of something like, this is an opportunity, it's in front of me, I need to take it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was very much like that. Um, you know, I think at the time I was 24 or 25 by then, so okay. I'd, you know, I'd graduated, I'd done my internship in the legislature, and um, so I was maybe 24, I guess, um, and uh, gosh, maybe even younger now that I think about it, um, um, because I graduated when I was 21, I think. So um, somewhere in there, I thought, yeah, you know, at my mm -hmm. age, uh, law school will always be there, and, and, and I'll take a chance, even though as, as much as my life and my profession has taken me in a down a political path mm -hmm. that was not at that point I mean I was always interested and fascinated and a student of politics um, but really a, probably a bigger lover of history than of politics at that point in my life and had I had no interest I didn't even want to do my internship in the legislature to tell you the truth mm -hmm. it was one of my professors who wouldn't let me say no <laughs> So what did that mean, this job? Did it mean, um, you know, obviously moving away? Mm -hmm. Well, I was already living in Salem, mm -hmm. doing my internship. Um, I had come home briefly. Well, I thought I would come home for the summer to my parents' home in Grants Pass and then go back to Willamette in the fall. And um, so at that point, um, I just stayed up north and, and started my work there. I uh, worked for uh, Denny Smith for a while. Greg Walden was my chief, he was our chief of staff, so he was my boss. And and uh, Carrie Timchuk uh, was our press secretary. And uh, I mean, it was just a extremely talented group of people. And, and I was just a flunky. Um, I always say I was the classic, classic underachiever of that um, high-powered group of, of staffers. Um, but um, I, I learned an awful lot including, um, I think one of the things I really learned was how much more I liked the state process than maybe the federal process. Okay. And some of that was just about effectiveness um, and ability to get things done. So I went back um, to, I went back to the state capitol and I um, uh, worked for um, two different state senators in two different legislative sessions and then, um, you know, about, that was the early 90s by then, and, and at that point all my friends were becoming teachers and doctors and stockbrokers and getting married, and, and I thought, man, I, I need to get outside of this bubble. Okay, right? I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, every building I've ever worked in has a dome on it. <laughs> and uh, so I came, I came to back home to Southern Oregon, to Medford, and I thought, where, where in the heck am I gonna work? I can't find a building that's domed. Um, but, uh, um, so uh, what was that next step? So I came home and, and I, you know, I worked at a couple places, I kind of bounced around a little bit, um, uh, reapplied to law so school a couple times, still hadn't worked that out of my system yet, thinking, right. ah, you know, I'm, I'm still young and, and uh, um, I can still do that. But at that point, I think 
the thing that I realized uh, about the same time I realized that maybe I didn't necessarily need to be an attorney or I wasn't going to be one, <clears throat> uh, I came to the realization as to why I wanted to be an attorney uh, or why um, I didn't want to work in the legislature, but suddenly I loved it and I you know, work, ended up working for four different legislators at state and federal level. Mm -hmm was that um, I really wanted to be an advocate for people. And I think that's what attorneys do. I think that's what people in the legislative process do. And certainly that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years at the chamber. Do you regret now, looking back, not going to law school? I, I really don't. Um, there are times when I, you know, the, I've had moments over the course of my career at the chamber when I thought that legal background would have benefited me, certainly. But um, the good news is we have a lot of really talented attorneys within our membership, so right. I, I don't, I don't necessarily have to uh, know those things, I and mean, that's why li law libraries exist. Mm -hmm. How did the chamber job come into your life? Um, by happenstance, I, I used to think I should write. Um, oh, what was the name of that? The gentleman that started the job search company it was like, is it Robert Half? Oh, I know you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I think that's the name. I always thought I should write a book about how to find a job because I thought, well, what am I, what am I going to do if I don't go to law school and I don't want to work in the legislature anymore? Do I need to move back to Los Angeles or to Washington, D.C. or someplace just to find a job as a young person, especially in Southern Oregon pushing 30 years ago, mm -hmm. 25, 30 years ago. It's mm -hmm. a decidedly different economy to return home to. Completely. So um, I thought, I'm going to make a job out of finding a job. And I went through um, you know, the phone book, which is something we used to use. <laughs> um, Wait, what is that? Yeah, yeah, what does exactly. that look like? Uh, this is pre-Google, mostly pre-desktop, <laughs> too, oh, right? Man. So you know, my IBM Selectric typewriter <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with eraser tape. Uh -huh. um, um, I put together a list. I thought, all right, I'm going to treat this like a job. I'm going to take a week. And um, I'm going to write down 50 companies that I could see myself working in that lines up with, um, you know, my personal mm -hmm. philosophies and, and, and uh, direction I want to go in would challenge me and it would be exciting and all that stuff. So I wrote down 50 companies and my goal was to hit 10 a day, even if it was just, hi, how are you, and here's my resume and off I go. And, and I built in rewards for myself. So if I, if I got done visiting 10 companies uh, around Southern Oregon by 10 o'clock in the morning, I got the rest of the day off. So okay. I gave myself some built-in motivation to, uh, to hit that. And by Friday, um, this is back in the old, you know, uh, cassette tape answering machine days, mm -hmm. I had a, a whole bunch of um, uh, messages on my, on my voice recorder, and one of them was from my predecessor at the chamber. And uh, uh, he tricked me because uh, uh, he said, I'm very excited. I want to see you come down. Let's talk. Uh, this was Bill Hawes, who ran mm -hmm. the chamber for 20 years before me. Um, so uh, I got all excited because I thought I, I was familiar with our chamber because they had already, they had a strong track record of advocacy, issue advocacy, um, when I worked in the legislature. Mm -hmm. And I was actually the staff person on the Salem end that would set up our legislative hotline calls with this chamber. Okay, so you're very familiar so with I it. So I kind of had a at least a walking around sense of mm -hmm. 
who they were. Um, so I thought, oh, you know what? They do advocacy, I do advocacy, I'll drop off a resume. Called me, went in, and he said, well, I really don't have a full-time position for you, but if, um, if you would be willing to take a chance on us, I'll take a chance on you. Could you sell chamber memberships on commission? Huh. To which I said that. <laughs> huh. Huh. <laughs> really? Considering I really had never sold anything for a living other than political candidates. Right. Uh, in, you know, <laughs> in campaigns. And a couple of, I mean, I had, you know, I had some odd jobs uh, where I, you know, did unsuccessfully try to sell some things and I wasn't good at it and I didn't enjoy it. And I thought, man, I really do want to work here. I really respected um, mm -hmm. Bill in the short time that I'd met him and, and, um, and appreciated the mission of the organization. That okay, well, in spite of the fact that I have, you know, um, all these new expensive things in my life, like a house and a car and mm -hmm. uh, soon to be a wife and mm -hmm. all that other stuff, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to I'm going to take that chance. Was it the idea that if you took that chance maybe it could lead to something down the road? And and that's what he alluded to. Okay. You know, he made it really clear that it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't a vague chance. He made it very clear that um, if I could do that and be successful at mm -hmm. it, it was really like a, a you know, a holding pen until he could find or create another opportunity uh, to move me into something more stable and he was good to his word. Um, really always and, and uh, did that not just once but multiple times over the course of almost seven years that I worked for him and and he was a, a great friend and mentor mm -hmm. uh, and then he sent me off to uh, professional development it's actually the oldest professional development program in the United States called Institute for Organization Management it's a program of the US Chamber kind of like getting your master's degree in, okay. in organization management. At that point, it was a six-year program. So at that point, I had to make a decision. Do Bite I the really, bullet. Do I really like this? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm selling memberships on commission, and sometimes I'm struggling to pay for my dry cleaning. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I still have to look professional, but, um, you know, when you're selling $150 chamber memberships yeah. in those days, yeah. um, it, was, it was tough duty. So am I really cut out for this? And um, uh, he sent me off to institute and, uh, down uh, at the UCLA campus, which also bothered my dad, who's a USC guy. <laughs> Your poor dad. I know. I had to remind him all the time. Well, that, it's his problem. I mean, he's just <laughs> he's just a zealot about uh, USC football. Um, but uh, I'm like, Dad, I'm just on the campus. I'm right. not really enrolled right. at UCLA. There's no so connection. Yeah, I, I just I'm just staying there. But it was a six-year program, and that was really when the light bulb went off for me. Nice. It's like, you know what? I think I want to do this when I grow up. And I can do it, and, and I'm doing it well. And I don't know if I can do it, but I decided I was going to do it anyway. Well, I think I think <laughs> you've proven, yes, you can do it. So you knew Kimberly at this time, your lovely I didn't, wife. I didn't. Uh, she is lovely, but I didn't know her. Um, we had a great mutual friend. Okay someone that worked for me when I was in college managing a sporting goods store was also this someone who um, was a cheerleader in high school with mm -hmm. with my wife mm -hmm. and she played matchmaker so you guys had you had known each other for a while no, no you just no. had a mutual friend exactly okay we, um, 
we had scores of mutual friends. Okay. I mean, it was, and we still talk about how unusual it is that we had that many close mutual friends and never met one another. That is interesting. So I, I dropped my friend off at her mother and father's house mm -hmm. uh, for a class reunion meeting of theirs and um, said, you know, I'll come back and get you in a little while. And, and she said, well, you know everybody in there. You should come in and say hi. So I did, and that was the first time I met Kimberly. Okay, what did you think when you saw her? I, um, well, you know, it was kind of overwhelming because I actually did know, I think, everybody in the room um, um, when I went in there. So at first, um, you know, it was kind of like just going around. It's like old home week. Hey, hi, yeah, yeah. And hugs and all that sort of stuff. So that was that was really a kind of a quick meeting. But, you know, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I liked her. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, don't you can't lie in this exa podcast. Exactly, not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but then over the course of the rest of that reunion weekend for them, um, we just had all these, you know, sort of chance times to interact. And of course, by the end of the end of the weekend, I I, I definitely knew that I liked her, and mm -hmm. I think the feeling is mutual. Yeah, I mean, were you smitten? Was I smitten? Um, because I've heard her side of the story, just just letting you know. I know she chased me incessantly. It was, <laughs> it was, it was almost disgusting. No, I'm just kidding. No I'm, lying I, in I, this podcast, <laughs> sir. Um, um, you know, I I really I was I was more disappointed um, because I, I I knew I really liked her, but she was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the mm -hmm. time, and I thought so. I I. I kind of had my guard up, right? I thought, boy, I really like this person, and and. Um, but maybe not getting too invested. It's like I, I'm not even going to go there because I'm now I'm committed to this community, you know, 100. percent I'm mm -hmm. committed to this chamber, 100. percent And the last thing I need is a long distance relationship in Phoenix, Arizona. So how did that connection then happen? <clears throat> well. Um, uh, she and this is this is the truth. It's gonna you know it's gonna sound tilted one way, but she um, I, I wouldn't say she decided I was the one at that point, but but she had decided that she was interested, and so she changed her flight plans and stayed another week in Southern Oregon, and we proceeded to just do like all the Southern Oregon stuff that like visitors do, right? Mm -hmm. We went to, you know, Brit, we did barbecues, we, you know, mm -hmm. we did all this, went out to dinner all over Southern Oregon. And, and, and I think that's when we, even though that, that's one week, I think we both knew mm -hmm. um, that uh, it was, it was all over for us. And uh, there's something there you wanted to pursue. Exactly. Nice. And so she went back home to Phoenix and, and we ended up having this long distance relationship that I didn't want to have. But it, it, you know, sometimes what we don't want winds up being the best thing for us. It, it really forced us to become friends first. Hmm. And, um, you know, we had a very old fashioned um, relationship as a result of it. I mean, I could only see her, you know, uh, over the holidays or special occasions or, you know, rework a business trip or something around visits. So we went through, you know, letter writing and, mm -hmm. and emailing and, and long phone conversations. I love and, it. You know, $900 phone bills and things <laughs> like that. Um, 
So it, I think it was it was a good foundation for for our relationship. Okay, now here's the really tough question: yeah. When were you guys married? Uh, July twenty fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Look at that! Bam! Boom! Yep. Done. That just happened. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> um, and you guys have lived. I made it our security code on our storage <laughs> unit. That's why. I, just letting I everybody to, know. I have to remember it. We'll, we'll put I'm it up. Pretty on. good about that kind of stuff, right? About dates. Yeah. 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 Well, you're a history guy. Uh, exactly. So, so, and and I, I guess um, um, I'm I'm kind of a detail guy, so mm -hmm. I, I pay attention to the, you know those sorts of things just in my everyday life, and and it, I guess it helps me in in my relationship with Kimberly yeah, too. It does. Um, as far as president of the chamber, when mm -hmm. when did that position come to you? Um, about three years before my predecessor decided to retire. I mean, he was, you talk about organized and, and a planner. You know, he was a, an army officer mm -hmm. and he was a USC graduate. And Oh, um, so dad liked him. Uh, oh yeah, my dad loved the <laughs> fact that I was working for a USC graduate. Um, but, um, you know, he came to me and said, so what do you think? I mean, are you really enjoying this? Is this what you want to do? And, and do you think you'd want to, you know, um, uh, consider a, a CEO position when I retire? To which I said yes, and at that point he had, I think, already in his back pocket a, a roadmap nice. for how to get there, and, and he was not shy to make sure that I was aware of my blind spots and, <laughs> you know, tell me all the, the gaps that I needed to to put some some spackle on to mm -hmm. you know, fill fill those holes in order to be able to do it, and it was all the right information. But it, it was great because I had those three years with one of the best in the industry, um, uh, in our country, uh, to mentor me and walk mm -hmm. me through all that to prep me. So. Um, what what year was it when you became president of the chamber? It was right at the tail end of 1999, you know, right at the end of 99, 2000. Okay. Um, yeah. So almost 20 years mm -hmm. holding down this job. Yeah. What do you see as the chamber's role? You know, and, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but the chamber, when I look at it, I'm kind of confused as to the role it plays in our community. Yeah, so, me too. Right. Yeah. So what, what do you I'm think? Kidding. No. What do you think? What do you think the role is that the chamber plays in our community and in, in Southern Oregon yeah. in general? You know, it, it's like the old uh, saying about all the layers of an onion. I right. Mean, there, there, are <clears throat> there are a lot of layers um, involved in answering that question. So at a, at a big picture level, sort of the 50,000 foot level, um, uh, we call it the, the three C's. Um, you know, what, what should a chamber be doing? Any chamber, whether it has 100 members in a small community or 2,500 members in a major metropolitan city, uh, the three C's being a convener, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people getting together is, is much less accidental than, than people think, right? Mm -hmm. So there's got to be some uh, organization that brings people together to exchange ideas and advance um, priorities in a community. So, so one of those is being a convener. The other is being a catalyst. Okay, so now we've gotten all these smart people together and, and we've heard that they want something mm -hmm. uh, or they don't want something. Um, 
so being a catalyst for the change that they want to see, all right, well, how are we going to get that done? Do we have to change policy, make policy, um, you know, move a building? Uh, what's necessary uh, in, in, uh, on the path of achieving that goal? And then the last C um, is to be a champion. Uh, we're a membership-based organization, um, blessed to be a pretty good size one. Um, but we are we are the champion for our members, mm -hmm. um, small and large. So it doesn't matter if it's Asante or Providence in the medical industry, you know, in that part of our economy, Harry and David, all the way down to, you know, uh, like a one employee bead shop. Mm -hmm. And and I don't say that in jest. We literally right. we have those, and uh -huh. you know they're within our membership and. Um, they're all important. It's it's our job to be a champion for mm -hmm. all of them. It puts us in precarious positions. Not not everybody in the public understands why we will take a, a position uh, in favor of one thing or opposed to another thing. But it's um, it's largely because our elected board of directors, whose job it is to um, identify what those wants and needs are within that business community and go to work on them. Mm -hmm. I know you've seen this area change drastically <clears throat> in the last, you know, even just couple of decades. Yeah. And we're going through so many changes right now. Where do you see, you know, maybe Medford specifically or Jackson County specifically, where do you see this area going? Do you just see more and more growth? Well, for the foreseeable future, the, you know, markets um, are more in charge of that than, than my mm -hmm. crystal ball. So. And I always want to be careful. I don't want to sound like an economist because I'm not one. But um, you know, right now, um, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I see, I see, uh, I see strong, um, consistent growth over the next couple of years. Beyond that, um, if if the people that get paid to predict those things don't want to predict beyond two years, I don't want to either. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, there there are some. There are some things that need to be shored up, as always, uh, um, within our economy. We could use, um, you know, we could use some other major employers here. Um, we got to continue to look, I think, at growing our tech center, uh, tech um, um, uh, sector, mm -hmm. and and then we have to maintain those really strong portions of our economy that are already here, like the medical community and retirement, and so, but. Geography helps us a lot. Yeah. Right. We're either right between LA or LA and Seattle, mm -hmm. San Francisco and Portland, depending mm -hmm. on how you look at the map. I five runs through here. We have a great airport that's growing all the time, serving more people all the time. So um, we're positioned in a good place for growth. Mm -hmm. So that helps a lot too. Um, some companies want to come here just because uh, they know. There's there's a pin on the map and people have to drive through where exactly that, where that pin is, so we benefit from that as residents here. Um, I remind people often that um, a lot of communities that have eighty thousand people that live in their primary town, their mm -hmm. population center, wish they had an airport, let alone one as good as the one that we have. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people complaining about the lack of air service. I kind of look at it the other way around, and I think, well, when I lived in our capital city of Salem, Oregon, we didn't have commercial air service, period, and they still don't to this day. Oh, that is interesting, yeah. You have to drive an hour, if traffic is mm -hmm. easy, 
to Portland mm -hmm. for their airport. So uh, we benefit as residents, I think, um, uh, because um, you know the influx into our population from people that live around Northern California, Grants Pass, Klamath Falls, et cetera. Fly out of Medford. Yeah, they fly out of Medford. Their hospitals in Medford. Their their shopping center is in mm -hmm. Medford. Recreation center, mm -hmm. to some extent, is not in Medford proper, but around us in Ashland and Jacksonville. And we have an in and out. And we have an in and out. I mean, two out. really. <laughs> Grants Pass. I mean, we have two in and outs in Southern Oregon. You know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> Um, how many <laughs> how many people equate local retail success to the work of the chamber and 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 sometimes we have a hand in it and sometimes it's absolutely untrue in the case of in and out you know we begged and scratched uh, for years and years for in and out and then ultimately when they came here we had nothing to do uh -huh. with with their decision to come here um, but of course we're very glad they did oh it's super glad yeah um, do you consider yourself a politician Oh man, what a terrible question! Because it doesn't matter how how I answer that, it's um, people are gonna uh, laugh one way or the other. Well, I think well, just I ask that because you know, based on your past and you know, you wanted to go to law school and, and yeah. you've worked in the state capitol and you know, even as the president of the chamber, it can be a very political job at times. Um, and I just wonder that, and it's I don't think it's a if you say yes, I do consider myself a politician. I mean, what really does that mean? The definition yeah. of a politician is kind of, if we look at the true meaning of it, it is someone who is an advocate. Yeah, and and uh, I like to answer questions directly, but in this case, it's kind of that's kind of nuanced because um, I have to be political, mm -hmm. um, which means I I am I suppose sometimes a, a politician. But in a lot of ways, I am the antithesis of a politician, right? Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to um, cut through the BS, find out what, um, uh, do sometimes the difficult job of, of leading leaders, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not like my, uh, my members and my board of directors are no shrinking violets, right? These are all really strong, talented, capable people and come to uh, help them come to consensus so that I know what my directions are. And then I'm oftentimes out, you know, mud wrestling or arm wrestling with politicians. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess I have to be political in an effort to, to do that, but um, you know, I, I suppose uh, it, it ebbs and flows. And uh, I think that's a little unfair in, in question because politician <clears throat> kind of has like a, it has a dirty connotation yeah. right now. And I, and I know you didn't mean it that way, and I don't take it that way because I, um, uh, there are aspects. Well, all all life is political. I agree. Right, my yeah. son's Boy Scout troop is political. Um, um, uh, sports teams are political, mm -hmm. right, right? Who gets to play and who doesn't get to play yeah. and why? So that's all politics. So everybody is a politician at some level. There's an old um, uh, quote from. I think it's Pericles. I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, my ancient Greece wrong here, but uh, I think it was Pericles who said, "Just because you don't take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you." So politics are all around us, whether it's in the workplace or in um, you know the actual political arena. Um, some people choose to stick their head in the sand and ignore it, 
um, because it can be it can be ugly, mm-hmm. um, and and today more so than ever before certainly, um, but uh, I guess maybe we're all politicians at some level. I think so at certain times in our life for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I get asked this question a lot from people who live here in the community. Um, so I'm kind of curious, especially for someone like yourself, why did you end up staying here? Right. Well, you and I share that. Um, I mean, our career, you know, span has kind of run parallel with one another. And um, even though you're much younger than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> much younger. <laughs> exactly. I just want to make sure I pointed that out. Um, I don't want this to come back and, and, <laughs> and haunt me later. Um, but, you know... I think if I hadn't gone off early or young and and had those other experiences where I um, was working in the legislature with really talented, capable people and and working for Congressman Smith and some of the other things that that I did, um, I would have felt maybe lacking, like something was missing. I didn't go out and, you know, launch my ship far enough away from the dock. Mm But um, having done that at an early age, uh, it helped me realize what was important to me. Um, so I, you know, my family was here, my mother was in poor health, and, and that had a lot to do with it too. Um, I, I didn't want to be in Miami or Washington, D.C. or even Los mm-hmm. Angeles um, um, and, and not have, have my mom pass away or something like that. So. Uh, I, I wanted to be here, but uh, as a, in equal parts, I guess, to that was uh, I love the place, right? I mean, wh- I, I don't know, it might sound corny, but I've been saying enough, uh, it, that enough for 25 or 30 or, you know, maybe for most of my life, 45 years, um, uh, I've been saying it enough. I, I, I certainly believe it, whether anybody else believes it or mm-hmm. not. I've poured my whole adult life into wanting to make this a better place for all of us to live in and, and maybe a place that my, my own son, who really loves it here, he loves it more at 15 than I loved it at 15, mm, right? That's nice. I wanted to get out of here. I want him to be able to make a choice to stay here and, and thrive and, and find success in whatever it is he wants to do. So that helps me get up and do what I do every day. Yeah, I think it's interesting too, you know, and I know you've traveled quite a bit. Um, You just took a big trip to the East Coast. Um, I always find when I come home, when I come back to Southern Oregon, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a sigh of relief. It's like, ah, I'm home. And I don't, it's not a begrudgingly thing getting off the airplane. It's an exciting thing because you're back home. It it is, and I feel the same way. I, um, I always, tell people that I'm a wheels up traveler, which means I don't get excited about going other places until I actually hear the landing gear go up. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just unplugging and you yeah, know, sort of sure. de-stressing and, and saying, okay, well now that I hear the landing gear go up, there's nothing I can do about it anymore. But I think part of that is um, even when I am excited about the places I'm going to, whether it's internationally or around our country, to great places, um, uh, it isn't like I'm leaving because I'm excited to get out of here. In fact, more often than not, especially when the weather's beautiful, <laughs> we're flying away and it's like, ugh. I know. 
we're going to miss 70 degrees a week of 70 degree weather and you kind of wish you weren't going exactly so, no i feel you um I, I don't know if that's a very good answer to your question mm -hmm. but um i think so yeah all right we're wrapping up yeah i have i'm going to give you my final three okay my final three hit, questions hit me. best advice mm. you've ever been given <sighs> i know i should have prepped you on that one man Best advice I've ever been given. Or just um, some good advice you've been given. Well, uh, okay, I'll, I'll share this. My, um, uh, my predecessor, Bill Haas, uh, literally as he was walking out the door and kind of handing, metaphorically handing me the keys uh, and telling me, uh, which was a big surprise, that he and his wife had purchased a fifth wheel trailer and they were taken off for seven months. Oh boy. Throwing me in the deep end of the pool. Um, uh, he said, okay, just remember this. Make more than you spend and don't get fat. That's good advice. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, and I haven't, um, I've, I've adhered to the first one. The second one, uh, not, not as well, but um, that was pretty good advice. Yeah. And, you know, it was his funny way of saying, this job will take as much as you get, mm -hmm. give it, be careful, and, and you got to take care of yourself. And, I, and I'm, after 25 years, I'm, I'm, trying to get better about that. I like it. If so, you live within your means, you'll always be rich kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and that's a, that's really important in this role for anybody in this role. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to be, you've got to be a good steward of your own life if you're going to be the steward of a lot of other people's lives. Completely. So, you know, that, that holds me in check and accountable on, on a personal level, but he was a great mentor and, and he gave me a lot more, probably better advice than, than that. That's, that's what still. Else you, what else you got? Um, if you left here, yeah. What's the one thing you would come back for? What's your happy place? Oh, well, um, a lot of the things that I used to get to do here are things that I that I don't get to do very often, or I you know I haven't done in a long time. We have a, a family cabin here, and and that you know that is like a real um, um, battery recharger. For, for us and for me in particular. Um, I would probably uh, do things like ride motorcycles and, and fish a little bit more, things mm -hmm. that I grew up doing that mm -hmm. I just, people that know me as, a, as an adult don't, don't know that about me, that you know I, I grew up target shooting and, and going hunting with my dad and, mm -hmm. and fishing a lot. Well, uh, fishing, not catching, <laughs> you know. So totally. if I had more, if I had more time, or if I went away and I came back to vacation, of course today I would, I, I would um, also do uh, uh, more wine tasting. Yeah, you and me <laughs> than, both. Than I get to do. Right. Yeah. Actually, I do a lot of wine tasting, so I can't you, say anything. You do, and I, I was gonna leave. I was gonna leave that out. Okay. But yeah. Oh so well. What else? What else you got? Um. Last question. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity to have a last meal and a last drink. Yeah. What would that be? Wow. Um, I'm a pretty simple guy when it comes to, I mean, I love fine food and all that sort of stuff. Um, I guess it depends on the circumstances. <laughs> if I were in a hurry. Right? Okay. <laughs> if I were in a rush, I'd probably just take like a, you know, a club sandwich and, and an iced tea because the people know that know me know I'm an iced tea addict. Um, if, uh, you know, if I got to sit down with, with friends and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and really savor the moment, uh, I probably would have a really 
maybe surf and turf, Southern Oregon style. I probably would have a really good cut of beef and uh, maybe a piece of salmon mm. and uh, um, uh, a really good whiskey. Okay, I like it. Or a Southern Oregon wine. Or maybe, yeah. Just to be political. Right. <laughs> All about politics. Yeah, that's the politician. You didn't even ask me anything about baseball or the Beatles or... Well, I was going to touch on of... baseball, but, you know, um, and also I was actually going to ask you about Disney. Yeah. You are a Disney freak. Well, it, and and I'll just say, and I know you got to wrap this up, but it's it's really less about, because I, you know, I study businesses and companies mm -hmm. and... and and leadership and all those sorts of things. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I love Mickey and Minnie and okay. Donald Duck and Goofy and all those guys too and the rides. Um, uh, then I'm not embarrassed to say that. But I got to go through Disney Institute a number of years ago as, as, as part of a chamber program. And just the, the things you think that are true about Disney in terms of their excellence in customer service and training um, I really got to see behind the wall or behind the magic uh, mm -hmm. of all that. And, and for anybody that's ever gotten to do that, if, you, if you're not impressed with Disney, you're just not paying attention because it's phenomenal. Disney World alone, they pay 55,000 employees every Friday. So think about what kind of, of HR and accounting department you'd have to have exactly. to pay 55,000 people every week. It's the size of San Francisco. Um, blows me away. So yeah. I try to steal ideas and, and thoughts from uh, people that are a lot smarter than me and, mm -hmm. and implement them where I can. So I, I, I love the part of Disney that you see, um, but so much of what makes you feel um, um, happy, I guess, or appreciated as a guest at Disneyland or Disney World or any property, it's all happening behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, they call it good show, bad show. Right. Your love for the Dodgers, did that come from? That was forced on me by my grandparents <laughs> and and, um, and I, I don't, I'm not, be, I'm not begrudging them by any means, but they were season ticket holders going all the way back to when the Dodgers moved to LA and played in the Coliseum had season tickets, and when I was a kid, it was not uncommon for it was just like no big deal, right? Hey, let's go, let's go to the ballpark, um, and and um, I, I've just been a passionate, uh, well, and as much a Rams, Los Angeles Rams mm -hmm. fan, so I'm thrilled they're back. Lakers fan, a uh, little less exciting to be a Lakers fan these days, but because I'm a baseball guy, my my Dodger passion is, I mean, I bleed Dodger blue just like Tommy Lasorda, so. Um, yeah, we could do a whole one of these just talking about the Just Dodgers. talking about baseball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to sign you up in a I'm, few weeks. I'm happy to do it. We'll talk about baseball. Yeah. You'll have to educate me because... I'll tell you what I know. I don't know okay. if that's, I don't know if that's much, um, but um, even if it's a little, I'm passionate about it. Well, I would say, I mean, I would say you're, there's fans. You're a fan. Yeah, well, you know, fan, of course, is short for fanatic. Yes. And um, I am a Dodger fanatic, to say the least. Um, yeah, I've seen your went, office. Went to the world, exactly. Uh, in fact, I don't know, did Kimberly tell you um, we had some people uh, over at our house and they were messing around in my office and they didn't know me. And they finally sheepishly asked her, they said, 
Did your, uh, did your husband used to play for the Los Angeles Dodgers? No way. Because they saw my personalized jerseys yeah. and baseball cards and all this stuff. And, and admittedly, um, stepping back from it a little bit, it's like, yeah, it kind of did look like I used to play <laughs> for the Dodgers, um, which I didn't. But I, mm. I, I, would, I would drop everything, um, including this interview and the chamber, uh, if the Dodgers called me and said, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we want you. At You'd this be point, out of here so fast. It, exactly. At this point, it would probably it would have to be in the front office because it wouldn't be anywhere <laughs> close to the field. Oh, I love I, it. Yeah, I'd well, do it. Stay tuned for the next off script podcast yeah. with you where we talk just about the Dodgers. Disney, Dodgers. Disney and the Dodgers. Yeah. I like it. Uh, we are working to put uh, this podcast and future podcasts on other platforms. For now, you can find this conversation at ktvl.com. Just go to features and look under off script. Brad Hicks, I know you're a very busy guy. I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You're the sweetest. Thank I love you. you. Oh, thank you. You're the best. Ditto.